disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I find it interesting to consider the events in our lives that we invite people into. Events like the day we get married, or perhaps family birthdays. Events like the graduation of a child from high school or college. These are milestones in our lives that we want to celebrate with others. These are the accomplishments that we are proud of and the highlights that show the best of who we can be. We're dressed in our best clothing. We put on our best behavior. But there are other events in our lives that we conceal from the world. These are the events that we are ashamed of and want to keep private. We don't invite others over to witness that big fight that causes the separation that leads to divorce. We don't call our friends and family over to join us at court when we face a criminal charge that we acquired in a moment of weakness. Rallying the neighbors is not the first thing that comes to mind when we discover something in a child's drawer that shows they've been in a sinful pattern for a while. And this is why I find the Bible to be so fascinating, because it seems like half of what's in there is exposing the shame and sin-filled lives of his followers. Consider some of the examples of people that were exposed in the Bible. And as I read this list off today, think of how that would go over in a church this morning. What if one of these occurrences was about your pastor? Adam and Eve succumbed to the temptation of the devil, causing all of mankind to fall into death and sin. Lot, who's called righteous in 2 Peter 2.7, offers up his daughters to mob rape to try to protect some guests who come to their home, and then later these two daughters end up getting him drunk and sleeping with him. David, a man after God's own heart, is exposed when he has an adulterous affair and then ends up killing the man whose uh, wife or whose husband it is that this woman that he had this adulterous relationship with. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, ended up with foreign gods, being led astray by his 300 wives and 700 concubines. Peter, who was the foundational apostle, denied Jesus three times. And each and every one of these situations has been preserved for us in the most popular and best-selling book of all time. All of these stories are there for us to read about these shameful lives. Imagine your own sin being splashed across the headlines for the world to see. But in each of these cases, there was a reason that God, by the Holy Spirit, wanted to include these in the written scriptures. It was to show his desire for redemption and restoration. In other stories in the Bible, Bible 
It was to show the end result of a life of sinful rejection of God. We see someone like Herod, who was struck dead for taking all the glory for himself and not giving it to God. We see someone like Judas, who did not repent and turn back to the Lord after his betrayal. And when the king comes for his final royal visit sometime in the near future, every life is going to be reviewed during the judgment. Some of those that are reviewed are going to be done so in order to show the mercy of God. And some are going to be reviewed to show his justice. The last message here in our series on a royal visit is entitled, Invite Your Friends. And when Christ left the earth after his uh, first visit two millennia ago, his parting words included this command, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you to do. In other words, invite people into my house, into my church, so that they're ready for my second coming. And there are three reasons for us to invite others to get ready for that royal visit. And we're going to go through those this morning. They're right in your bulletin as well. First, invite your friends over for a pardon. Listen to the way that Jesus described the forgiveness that we're going to receive from him in Matthew 18, 23 through 27. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle... One was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him of the debt. How many of us take for granted this wonderful pardon that we have been given? I think all of us do, because if we truly appreciated it, we would be much more active in inviting others to it. <laughs> the devil has hard at work trying to downplay this pardon from the king. He's hard at work trying to keep you from speaking out, from inviting others. He whispers things like, you don't need a pardon, do you, really? <laughs> I mean, you're a pretty good person. Not really, really in trouble like all of those evil people in the world. Or he'll get you to begin to question the existence of the king at all. All of this was just a cosmic accident. There's really no justice in the world. It's all survival of the fittest. Just live for today because that's all you have. Get what you can while you can. Our job, brothers and sisters, as ones who have had our eyes open to the truth about life and the coming judgment, is to warn those around us. 1 Peter 3.15 makes this clear. He says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. In other words, always have an invitation ready in your pocket or in your purse. Not literally, but figuratively. And notice that people are drawn to ask questions about the hope that you have because they see a difference in your life. They see something that they don't have. A peace in the midst of turmoil. Peace when finances are going crazy. 
And so having that invitation ready to give people a reason for the hope that you have is so powerful. And this insinuates that someone has become curious by watching you, watching the things that you're doing. How much hope do you exude? Do you react just the same as others in crisis? Or do you have that deep joy, that deep hope there that people see and they recognize? The second thing we see in Scripture is to invite your friends over for a purpose. An invitation to receive a pardon is the most wonderful thing that's being offered by the king. But he doesn't stop there. The reasons he pardons us is so that we can move on to the intents and the purposes that he has for our lives. Some of that is realized in this life here. But the majority of that purpose, the majority of the intent, actually takes place after his return or after we die. This is only the waiting room for the plans that the Lord has for you. And that's so encouraging because sometimes you can get discouraged here in this life. When you're walking through this life and you're trying to follow the Lord and you see the results of that, you come to church as a pastor and you see the place practically empty. I know there's a snowstorm and all of that. It can be discouraging. But you recognize that this isn't all there is. There's so much more that we have. A purpose because this is the waiting room. The waiting room for the heavenly kingdom that's going to be ruling and reigning over the entire earth. And there's so many scriptures that make it clear that this is really what we should be looking forward to. That's the great purpose of our lives. Titus 2.13 tells us that we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Notice that the blessed hope that you have is the appearing of Christ. The blessed hope that we don't have is that everything is going to get fixed in this world. The blessed hope that we don't have is that I'm going to get cured of this disease or this relationship is going to go perfectly or I'm going to eliminate sin entirely from my life. That's not the blessed hope. The blessed hope is that he's coming. (laughs) He's coming to get us. (laughs) He's coming to rescue us from all of this. And that's a great, amazing hope. So many lose hope because they're discouraged by the things they see around them every day. They experience war, disease, death, and turmoil. And they wonder, where is God in the midst of all of this? Well, we are assured that God grieves along with us when he sees the choices that men have made. In fact, Paul goes on in Romans 8.18 to say, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. In other words, when we look at all of this, and think about all the pain that we're seeing around us, we're going to look back someday in eternity and say, you know, that was nothing compared to the great purpose and the things that the Lord had in store for me. It was worth the suffering. Although right now, it may not feel like that. You may not feel like getting up in the morning and facing another day. You may not feel like getting up and facing the news or the things that are going on around us, or new COVID variants, and all these crazy things that are taking place. And so how do we keep all of this in mind in our day-to-day struggle? 
Well, certainly one of the ways that we keep it in mind is we surround ourselves with the body of Christ. Do you know Satan is a coward? And he wants to separate us. Separate out the lone sheep. They're easier to pick off. But when we stay huddled together in unity and in fellowship, it's so much more difficult to become discouraged. Because when one brother falls, another picks him up. When one sister is discouraged, another one encourages them. And that's why it's so important for the body. That's why it's so important to come to church. That's why it's so important to look around and see who's discouraged. To ask people, you know, we have this thing, don't we, in our modern culture? How's it going? Great. <laughs> Wonderful. It's not. You know it's not, right? Everybody has something going on. Everybody has things that are troubling them in their lives. But in common pleasantries, we don't want to just throw up on each other, you know, all of our problems and troubles. But have somebody. Have somebody that you can turn to. Have a friend. Develop a relationship. Share things that are vulnerable to you. And that way they will share those things with you as well. Right? We need that. Finally, listed in Colossians 3, 4, it says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The glory of our purpose has not been fully revealed yet, and it won't be until the coming of the King. And this is something that we can invite people to. So many think that the only glory that they will receive is in this life, chasing money, careers, prestige, but in the end, they realize it was for nothing. When they're laying there on their deathbed or in tragedy, and they look back on their lives, they're going to have great regrets. I've seen this time and again. People that were not believers, people that did not follow the Lord. I've been at their deathbeds. I've listened to them talk. You know the things they talk about? Their family, friendships lost, pain that they caused other people, they, they don't talk about their great successes. They don't talk about how much money is in their bank account. As Solomon said in the book of Ecclesiastes, all is vanity and a chasing after the wind under the sun. In this life, it seems like that many times, doesn't it? Vanity, chasing after the wind. Why am I doing this? What's the purpose? Why do I get up today? And yet we have the Lord who's given us such great hope and promise, something that we can be excited to invite others to. We can provide people with real meaning when we point them to that royal visit that's taking place. And finally, invite your friends over for a party. Two weeks ago, we had our staff Christmas party at our house, and we spent quite a bit of time getting ready for that. Uh, we wrapped presents, we prepared some food, we cleaned the house from top to bottom, we got all the Christmas decorations up and such. But that party was nothing compared to the party that's coming after the royal visit takes place. The Bible calls it the wedding supper of the Lamb. Listen to a parable Jesus told of how he describes this party in Matthew 22. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast. But they would not come. Again, he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I prepared my dinner, my oxen, 
and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. You know, for our party that we had uh, a couple of weeks ago, the guest list was limited to staff and their spouses. But God has extended an invitation to the entire world. The entire world is invited to attend this wedding feast. But most refuse to accept the invitation. And some are even hostile, hostile to it. This host, uh, hostility and indifference can make it very intimidating for us as we're inviting people, right? It's hard to invite people because they get mad or they just blow you off or you've asked them ten times to a church event or you're hopeful. Oh yeah, I'm going to come to that and you're looking around and they're not here. And that becomes very discouraging in this life. But do you know what? It's not our responsibility what people do with the invitation. It's only our responsibility to give the invitation. If people reject it, it's on their shoulders, not ours. As long as you give that invitation, it's on them. Paul describes this in Acts 18, verses 5 and 6a. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, giving out the invitation, testifying to the Jews about the Christ who was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. How did he become innocent? He was innocent because he shared the message. <laughs> he fulfilled the ministry that God had set before him. And there are people out there in our lives that we are responsible for inviting. God has put them in our lives in order that we might invite them to this great feast, to this amazing sacrifice that God has given for us. You might be the only person that they come in contact with that's a Christian. This country is changing over. This is not a nation filled with Christians anymore. It's getting darker and darker, as you probably know when you go out there. It's harder and harder to talk about these things or to call someone a sinner, right? Or that somebody did something wrong. My wedding was the greatest day of my life. And if that's just an earthly wedding, I can't wait to see what God's wedding feast is going to be like. In conclusion this morning, there are many areas of our lives that we would not be thrilled to invite people into. But there is one particular area that we can be very excited about. And if you are one of the redeemed, if you're one of the ones that has accepted the Lord's invitation to be a part of his royal family, I encourage you to spread the word. Invite your friends and relatives. Invite them again and again, you know. I know it's discouraging. I know it's hard because we have the best news in the universe to share. The king is coming for a royal visit and he wants to come as your liberator, not your judge. And that's good news. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the good news that you've given us, that you've redeemed us, Lord. Help us to not be discouraged or scared or frightened by uh, this prospect of inviting people, Lord. Help us to be liberal in spreading the seed, 
Getting it out there, getting the message out, Lord. Because we know that your Holy Spirit is working in the hearts and minds and lives of the people. And so, Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon series from Elam. If you are encouraged today, would you consider supporting our online ministry through a financial contribution? Personal checks can be made out to Elam Lutheran Church and sent to 11504 26th Street, Northeast, Lake Stevens, Washington, 98258. Or you can give online at elamlutheran.net. Thank you and may God bless you the rest of your day.